0: Hi, I'm Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast. This is episode number seven and continues from where I left off in episode number six. I was enmeshed in examining the 40-some ingredients in the Pillsbury cream cheese and strawberry toaster strudel. Let's continue unpacking this hyper-processed food. The number 12 ingredient is salt. I don't care about the salt, except it gives us an opportunity to check its amount in the product. Sodium on the label is listed as 180 milligrams, or 0.18 grams. If you multiply 0.18 grams by the conversion factor, 2.54, you get 0.46 grams of salt. Now you say, shouldn't there be less than 0.21 grams of salt, based upon the earlier calculation for the amount of dry yeast in each toaster strudel. That would be true if there were no other sources of sodium in the toaster strudel. But later we'll see there's sodium benzoate and sodium citrate, and they contribute to the sodium content. Plus the flour, you know, is likely to contain some salt, so that will also boost the sodium content. And then salt is even listed later in the label. So the guesstimate Of salt being less than 0.21 grams as the number 12 ingredient is pretty reasonable. It certainly puts us in the ballpark. The number thirteen ingredient is hydrogenated palm oil. Presence of this material is a bit of a mystery. Palm oil was listed as a possible third ingredient. Why is it being repeated here? Of course it's hydrogenated palm oil, which means it's high in saturated fat, contains trans fat, and is a solid at room temperature. This kind of fat, like butter, is good for making pastries. The thing is, we know from the dry yeast calculation that there is probably less than 0.21 grams of hydrogenated palm oil per toaster strudel. That's a very small amount, but maybe that's all that's needed to give a flaky crust to the pastry. Note that Pillsbury reports zero grams of trans fat on the label. The FDA allows that dishonesty since there are less than 0.5 grams of trans fat per serving. The number 14 ingredient is corn syrup solids. This material is related to high fructose corn syrup, so I'll refer you to episode 3, which discusses HFCS in detail. Both HFCS and corn syrup comes from the acidic breakdown of corn starch. If the breakdown is controlled, then different types of corn syrup can be produced that have applications in different food industries, such as The baked goods industry or the confectionery industry. There are dozens if not hundreds of different kinds of corn syrup. You can buy corn syrup in the store as Cairo syrup, pancake syrup, or imitation maple syrup. When the water is removed from the corn syrup then you get corn syrup solids. The next ingredients compose baking powder and they are namely number 15 ingredient baking soda and number 16 ingredient, sodium acid pyrophosphate. Now, a good question would be, why does Pillsbury use both yeast and baking powder to leaven the dough? Usually one or the other is used for baking. I have no idea here. Listeners, if you know the answer, please comment. Baking powder has been discussed in previous episodes. In the toaster strudel dough, the alkaline baking soda, which is sodium bicarbonate, will react with the acidic sodium acid pyrophosphate to produce carbon dioxide gas to leaven the pastry. Both of those ingredients are industrial chemicals. Hey, let's take a break, because it's joke time. A food technician was sitting in an outhouse when another guy knocked on the door. Come in, he said there are two holes the guy sat down and when he was finished he pulled up his pants and some change fell down the hole he looked down then dropped in a 10 dollar bill the first guy said why'd you do that second guy said i'm not going down there just for 30 cents <laughs> the number 17 ingredient is strawberry puree a fruit puree is simply a blending of a whole fruit to give a liquid. Water or sugar may be added, but there is no indication on the Pillsbury label that any other ingredients are in their puree. puree however, Remember the question that Melanie Warner raised about how many toaster strudels you would have to eat to get the strawberries shown on the front side of the Pillsbury's box? Well, now we can answer that question. All the ingredients following sugar on the label were present in 2% or less. Earlier, I calculated, based on an estimate of the yeast amount, that the 2% represented 0.21 grams or less. Let's give Pillsbury the benefit of the doubt and say that there are 0.21 grams of strawberry puree in each toaster strudel. From an internet search, I found that a medium strawberry, which is, uh, say, one and a quarter inch in diameter, weighs 12 grams. Dividing 12 grams by 0.21 grams gives 57. You would have to eat 57 toaster strudels to consume one medium strawberry. Whoa! Ain't much strawberry in a single toaster strudel. The next ingredients number 18 through number 22 are part of the cream cheese filling. These include milk, cream, whey, salt, and locust bean gum. I'll just say a few things about the number two ingredient locust bean gum. It's an example of a variety of vegetable gums that are used in food products. Gums are used to give foods body a gel-like consistency. Essentially, you know, they're just thickeners. Very little material is needed to do that. Gums suck up water, creating an aqueous volume considerably larger than their own. They kind of remind me of those super absorbent polymers found in disposable baby diapers. Locust bean gum is extracted from the seeds of the carob tree found in the Mediterranean region. Another name for it is carob bean gum, it's a natural product that's lightly processed to produce an off-white powder. The number 23 ingredient is modified whey. Whey was mentioned earlier, but what is modified whey? Now, that one is hard to get at. It's It's kind of like a modified starch in that it's a generic name that can be applied to whey protein that has been altered in numerous ways. For example, if smaller protein molecules are removed from whey, then a type of modified whey called whey protein isolate is obtained. The various modified forms provide different physical or chemical benefits to the food producer. The number 24 and number 25 ingredients are citric acid and lactic acid. These are very common ingredients in processed foods. Although they can be naturally found, food companies use industrial versions of them. They have been mentioned in episodes 2, 3, and 4 Their purpose is to provide a slight acidity to the product, and they can act as preservatives. The number 26 ingredient is mono- and diglycerides. These chemicals are derived from animal and plant fats and can be made from a variety of sources. They can act as dough conditioners, emulsifiers, which are agents for mixing water and oil, or stabilizers. This uh, is a very common food additive, you know, it usually comes as a combination of these mono and dyes. And they you see them often very see them listed very often in baked goods. It is estimated that every American consumes about half a pound of these things each year. Since mono and diglycerides are found in normal fats, They are considered harmless as additives, but they are still chemicals that are manufactured in an industrial plant. The number 27 ingredient is wheat starch. Just as corn starch is a refined material obtained from corn, wheat starch is a refined material obtained from wheat berries. I don't want to take the time to go into that process here. Maybe it will be discussed the next time it appears. The next group of ingredients, number 28 to number 31, are chemical preservatives namely potassium sorbate sodium benzoate tbhq and citric acid a good question to raise here is why does pillsbury need to add preservatives to a product which is frozen frozen foods don't spoil right they don't get they don't grow bacteria oxidation or spoilage reactions slow down to a very low pace at freezer temperatures. But Pillsbury adds four chemical preservatives to their frozen toaster strudel. Why is that? I spent a little time researching that question online. I could not find a good answer. If any listeners can help with this question, please comment at the Podbeam or YouTube websites. With the exception of citric acid, which has already been discussed, let's take a look at the other preservatives. The number 28 ingredient is potassium sorbate. It's a common preservative in food. It's a synthetic white crystalline powder used to inhibit mold, fungi, and yeast. It has a low toxicity. The number 29 ingredient is sodium benzoate. It's also a very common preservative. It's a natural product but food companies use a synthetic form of it. It is active against bacteria and yeast. It is moderately toxic in large amounts. The number 30 ingredient is TBHQ. Usually when you see an acronym like this on a food label, it means that the chemical name is very long. For some reason, food manufacturers are not required to spell out all the ingredients on their products. T-B-H-Q stands for tertiary butyl hydroquinone. This synthetic powder is a potent antioxidant. It combines with oxygen very rapidly and itself turns brown. In large amounts, T-B-H-Q is harmful. Ingestion of only a gram produces nausea, vomiting, ringing in the ears, and delirium. The number 32 ingredient is cellulose gum. You may also see this written on labels as sodium carboxymethyl cellulose or CMC. It's a chemically modified form of cellulose which is the carbohydrate found in woody plants like trees and also in cotton. Cellulose gum is used as a stabilizer in foods. The number 33 ingredient is sodium citrate. This is a white synthetic powder which is the sodium salt of citric acid discussed earlier. It is used as an emulsifier for creams and as a buffer to control acidity. The number 34 ingredient is polysorbate-60. Interesting name. Found in baked goods, it's a synthetic emulsifier obtained from the chemical combination of sorbitol and stearic acid. Both of those are industrial chemicals. It's also used as a wetting agent, a stabilizer, and dispersing additive. It may be contaminated with 1,4-dioxane, known as a nasty carcinogen. The sorbate in the name polysorbate-60 comes from the sorbitol. The number 35 ingredient is cellulose gel. This material is the hydrated form of cellulose and is the second ingredient in the toaster strudel derived from wood or cotton. It's probably in the toaster strudel as a non-caloric thickener. The number 36 ingredient is skim milk. Of course, skim milk is regular milk that has had the fat removed. It's interesting to note the next ingredient is cream. So Pillsbury uses both non-fat milk and full fat milk. Go figure here. The number 38 and number 39 ingredients are natural and artificial flavors. As I stated in earlier podcasts, these ingredients are my pet peeves. They since they, they don't provide really any useful information. Now, natural refers to flavors obtained from real foods, while artificial refers to laboratory-made flavors, that is, synthetic chemicals. But the FDA allows food manufacturers to use these generic terms, which may represent thousands of compounds. So as a consequence, the consumer is really kept in the dark as regards the identity of these things. The FDA allows this loophole so food manufacturers can safeguard their formulas. The number 40 ingredient is whey. Here whey shows up again, but it's not to concentrate. It may be present in a low amount to assist in the growth of the yeast prior to baking the pastry and to provide for moisture retention in the strudel pastry. The number 41 ingredient is xanthan gum. This material is usually derived from the fermentation of corn derived dextrose. It's another thickening agent like the earlier gums that were mentioned. The next two ingredients compose sour cream, namely the number 42 ingredients, cultured cream, and the number 43 one is non fat milk. Notice that Pillsbury uses a descriptor non fat milk instead of skim milk, but these are one and the same thing. The number 44 ingredient is gum arabic. Gum arabic, also known as acacia gum, I'm not sure I pronounced that right, uh, is a natural gum made of the hardened sap of various species of the acacia tree found in the Middle East and Africa. It is used as a stabilizer in processed foods. The number 45 ingredient is guar gum. This is yet another common thickening and stabilizing agent. It's derived from the guar bean plant, which is grown in Asia and Africa. This ingredient is considered safe in processed foods. The number 46 ingredient is locust bean gum and appears for the second time. Have you noticed yet how many thickeners are in this toaster strudel? Let's count them. There's locust bean gum, appears twice, cellulose gum, cellulose gel, Gum arabic, xanthan gum, and guar gum. Those thickeners were used seven times to make the toaster strudel. Now, how often do you use gums in your kitchen to make food? Ingredients number 47 and 48 are red 40 and blue 1, which are artificial colors. I'm not sure what needs to look blue in the toaster strudel. But the red 40 is probably there to make the strawberry puree look more real. These artificial colors are not good for the human body. I spoke at length about artificial colors in episode number one, so I refer for you there for a more in-depth look at them. Number 48 ingredient is sucralose. Ah, I hear a bell. That means this is the ingredient of the day. This is one of my favorite ingredients. Not because I would recommend it to anybody, but because I am intimately familiar with it. When I worked as an analytical chemist for a food ingredient company, I spent considerable time testing sucralose. If you don't already know it, sucralose is an artificial, non-caloric sweetener, which is 600 times sweeter than table sugar. You probably know it as Splenda or other brands such as Zero Cal, Sucrena, and Sucro Plus, among others. For some reason, Pillsbury thought that their toaster strudel wasn't sweet enough with the HFCS and sugar and maltodextrin in it, so they added sucralose as well. Of course, sucralose is the last ingredient in the list since very little is needed to provide added sweetness. As an example, if you were to replace the 39 grams of sugar in a 12-ounce can of Coke uh, with sucralose, you would only need 65 milligrams of sucralose, just a smidgen. Like many of the artificial sweeteners, sucralose was an accidental discovery. The British company Tate & Lyle patented it in 1976, about a year after it was discovered. At that time, Tate & Lyle was one of the largest sugar manufacturers in the world, so the company did a bunch of basic research on sucrose, or table sugar. In that year, Tate & Lyle scientists were experimenting with the chlorination of sucrose, which involves reacting sucrose with chlorinating agents that place chlorine atoms in the structure of the sugar molecule. A graduate student by the name of Fadness, was told to test one of the chlorinated sugar compounds. He thought he was being asked to taste it rather than test it. So he did. And that's how the sweetness of sucralose was discovered. After Tate and Lyle figured out a way to manufacture the material, the product was submitted for approval for use in foods. Sucralose got approved in 1998 in the U.S., Sucralose, as an artificial sweetener, has several advantages over its competitors. It's non-caloric, so it pretty much gets passed through the body, and it also resists breaking down with heat, so it can be used in baking. The process for making sucralose is complex, chemically intensive, and involves very hazardous chemicals. It would definitely be a candidate for the most highly refined food ingredient in the history of the modern food industry. Although the starting material is table sugar, there is nothing else natural about the production of sucralose. For many years, the marketing firm for sucralose used the slogan, made from sugar, so it tastes like sugar. The trade group, the Sugar Association, objected to that slogan and won a lawsuit to stop its use. The chlorinating agent used in the manufacture of sucralose is phosgene one of the most poisonous chemicals known to man. In World War I, it was used in chemical warfare. Sucralose is sold in very dilute mixtures. So the sucralose you buy in the supermarket has a high filler to sweetener ratio. I was turned off to sucralose many years ago when I worked in a laboratory performing tests on the material. One day, I smelled a very strong acrid odor in the lab. After several days, I discovered that the odor was coming from a canister or bag stored inside a cabinet. It was a container of pure sucralose. The sucralose had slowly decomposed over time to release hydrochloric acid, a corrosive gas, which darkened the product and the container it was in. The commercial food-grade packages of sucralose will not do that, but that experience turned me off to sucralose for life. Well, that's it for the Pillsbury cream cheese and strawberry toaster strudel ingredients list. Here's a couple of last things about the ingredients. On the label, General Mills surprisingly has this phrase, partially produced with genetic engineering. So they admit up front that GMOs are in their ingredient list, but they don't say which ingredients actually are GMOs. I've mentioned before how frequently corn-derived ingredients wind up in processed foods. That's no surprise since corn is cheap and abundant in this country. Along with farm animals, we are a corn-fed nation. Here are nine toaster strudel ingredients related to or derived from corn. HFCS, cornstarch, maltodextrin, modified cornstarch, corn syrup solids, citric acid, lactic acid, sodium citrate, and xanthan gum. I'm not going to say much about the nutritional benefits of the toaster strudel. Let's face it people don't eat this junk food with health in mind. In short, if you ate two of the pastries at one sitting, you would get 380 calories, 16 grams of total fat, or 24% of the daily value, 6 grams of saturated fat, or 28% of the daily value, 18 grams of sugar, 360 milligrams of salt, or 16% of the daily value, and only 2 grams of fiber, which is just 4% of the daily value. If you eat this kind of food, I strongly encourage you to start thinking about what you are putting in your body. It might not make you sick today, but a steady diet of this kind of food will be perilous to your future health. Recall the fake food index. Over half of the toasted strudel ingredients are processed in factories. Most of those processed materials didn't exist 50 years ago. They are pretty new to the human body. Think about the cumulative effect of these fake foods on your body. Your body's organs, the liver, kidneys, gallbladder, bladder itself, etc. have to work hard to eliminate many of those fake foods. Also, and this is important, every fake food has contaminants in it that arise from the manufacturing process. Although present in very low concentrations, the accumulation of those contaminants may also cause health problems down the road as the staple singers used to say, respect yourself. Farewell food eaters, and remember this, if you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants.